Welcome to Restoration City Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed by this message. In the first John chapter 5 and verse number 4, the word declares and says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, is our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I want to repeat, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. It means that what doesn't matter what happens in the world, whatever system, whatever has been set up, you and I have a legal position that classes us as overcomers. And the people who have been classed as overcomers, because if you think that things are going to get easier, it's not. The Bible predicts that we are living in what we are called perilous times. It is perilous times. It means it's difficult times. It's trying times. It's going to get tough. But we are, we have been given a legal position that says, if you have been born again, you legally have already overcome. We used to sing a song that says, we shall overcome. But our legal position is, if you are a believer, and you have been born again, you are legally an overcomer. So the question comes on what does it mean to be born of God? Because those are the only people who are qualified to be called overcomers. There's a qualification. According to John, it says you have to be born again, And it says you have to have a faith through your faith. And your faith has to be one that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's three things there. I'm born again. I have a faith. And my faith is in the belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the book of Romans chapter 8 says this in 8 verse 9. It says this, Romans chapter 8, it says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, hear me carefully, if the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, and here's a powerful statement. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. I didn't say that the Bible says this. If you do not have the Spirit of Christ, you're not his. You are not an overcomer. That's the word of the Lord. So the inference here is that I need to have the Holy Spirit in my life And when I have the Holy Spirit in my life, this is what we call being born of God. Or we use a terminology called being born again. And the born again believers 
are the people who legally have the authority to overcome whatever obstacle, whatever challenges come their way, you overcome. It's not based upon your feelings. It's not even based upon the evidence around you. It's based upon what heaven declares. So you may not feel like an overcomer. It's not got nothing to do with how you feel. It's what the legal position of heaven is. The legal position of heaven is if you are born again, you overcome the world and you have victory. That's the position of which we're in. So in St. John 3, There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, said John 3 verse 1. And the Bible says this man called Nicodemus, he was a, he was a ruler of the Jews. And the Bible says that this man came to Jesus by night. He didn't want everyone to know his identity. He wanted to do this kind of undercover covert Christian. Undercover. He don't want people to know his business. So he comes to Jesus by night and he says to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are teacher come from God. We know that. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Hear that word? Born again. Unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. This is Jesus, the highest authority. He's saying to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, Unless your spirit has been born again, you cannot even see, you cannot perceive the kingdom of God. You can't see it unless you have been born again. And Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? In other words, this statement you're using, this terminology of being born again, I don't understand it. What does it mean? Does it mean, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see, this is the problem. You see, sometimes we are imparting spiritual things. And as intellectually as we are, your intellect don't understand the things of the spirit. You could be intellectually brilliant. You could be a very educated person. But we are dealing with things of the spirit. And when you're dealing with things of the spirit, it doesn't matter how educated you are. If you try to use your education on the word, you're going to come up lost. This will not make any sense to you if you read it with your natural mind. It won't make sense. And that's why some people consider the word to be foolish. Some people consider the Christian faith to be foolish because they're trying to apply natural understanding to something which is spiritual. 
And when you can't equate the both, it's like me trying to do maths. I don't, I'm just one of these people, you put figures in front of me, I don't know what it means. I can't, I can't work it out. It's just, it's just mumbo-jumbo to me. It don't make no sense. Unless someone explains to me the formula. And when it's explained to me, it makes sense. And when it makes sense, we call that revelation. It means that light has come. It means understanding has come. So what was foolish to me, now I have understanding, then I can apply it and get results. Are you with me? And so Jesus says to Nicodemus is saying, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, no. Surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Hear what Jesus is saying. This is Jesus' word. The highest authority is speaking. And Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. As the young people would say, don't get it twisted. (laughs) That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You go to school, you study, you become educated. That's the understanding of what we do in the flesh. In the spirit is a different principle. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So that means you cannot be born again without receiving the Holy Spirit. And that's why we were saying last week, that's why many people don't want to accept the church. Pastor, they don't want to come to church. They don't want us to preach the word of God. They don't. Because what happens when you preach under the influence of the Holy Spirit, remember we spoke about this last week, the job or one of the, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to convict you of sin. So when a preacher preach, you're supposed to get convicted. And conviction brings about a change. And the purpose of the change, because he loves us. God loves us and he wants us to be part of his kingdom. So he's saying, unless you receive the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper, unless you receive the Holy Spirit, you cannot even see the kingdom. You won't understand the things of God. You won't get it. You will sit and it makes absolutely no sense. It's not supposed to. That's why Jesus prayed and says, I'm going to send you another comforter. And this comforter is going to help you. This comforter is going to guide you into all truth. And evidence of this we see in the book of Acts chapter 8. There's an Ethiopian eunuch and he's, he's sitting down and he's reading from the scriptures. He's actually reading from Isaiah 53. And he's reading... But it doesn't make any sense to him. He's reading from Isaiah 53. And Philip, the evangelist, comes to him and asks him a very good question. He's looking at him and says, Do you understand 
what you're reading. What you're reading. Do you have any understanding of it? And the Ethiopian eunuch said, well, no, I don't, I don't understand. How can I understand unless somebody guides me? Unless somebody shows me what does this mean? I'm reading about Isaiah 53, but I don't understand what it means. How can I, unless somebody shows me, unless somebody helps me? And Philip sits down with him and begins to unpackage who the person of Jesus Christ is. And then once he heard it, he was then, the Ethiopian eunuch was able to respond because now revelation comes. Someone say revelation. Right, so that's what we need. If you are going to serve Jesus Christ as your Lord, you need revelation. You need understanding. And so now this has come, that's why the Ethiopian eunuch said, well, here is water. What hinders me? What stops me from being baptized? Because I get it now. Because the veil that's been over my eyes is like so many of us, what the devil does, he puts a veil. And so, and sometimes we as Christians ourselves, sometimes we don't always get it right. Because we're trying to get people to understand. And we're shouting because it doesn't make sense to us. Why wouldn't you want to serve a God who loves you? It just, it just doesn't make sense. Why don't you want to serve a God who loves you? Someone who cares for you. And, and, but what happens is, for some people, they've got a veil. So, although we are shouting at them, they still don't get it. They don't get it. Because a veil is put, so it, until the veil is removed, there is no understanding. And that's why when we serve God, we need revelation. We need illumination. We need light. We need understanding. And then when this comes, it makes sense to us. That's why so many of us in this room took so long to become a Christian. Seriously. So, I won't say about myself, I'll talk to you guys. Because I, I, I was sensible enough to get saved at nine. I was sensible. But some of you, God was calling for such a long time. And you ran in the wrong, it ran in all different directions. Not just the wrong direction, in every other direction than the one you should do. Isn't that right, Pastor? And for many of us, it's not until later on that we realize when we get it, when the revelation hit, it's like, why didn't I come to Christ earlier? It just makes absolute sense. The reason is because the devil blinds us. And so when it comes to the truth of God's word, we don't seem to understand it. So to be born again means to receive of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. Ephesians 2 and verse number 1 explains this to us. Because Ephesians 2 says this, And you, he made alive who was dead in trespasses and sin. So every single person in this room, every one of us, according to scriptures, says that we were born in sin. Shaped in iniquity. All of us were sinners. We were dead. What we mean by dead, it means the part that responds to God was dead. That part that responds, that connects us in a relationship with God was not there. 
We were dead in our trespasses and sin. That's why we can sin and felt nothing about it. Because your conscience is dead. We have some people who can kill someone else and feel absolutely no remorse. Because, listen, man is, 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 is seriously wicked. In the book of Judges, when you look through Judges, when there was no one to really rule over Israel, the Bible says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So I can, I can kill you, but in my own eyes, it, it, I was justified. Because that's how we are desperately wicked. Mankind without morals, without some kind of spiritual help, we will kill each other. Because that's, that's just, that's what sin does. That's what sin does. But now we've been made alive. The part of us that connects with Christ has been made alive. So in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it speaks about this. It speaks about us when we were a spiritually dead people. And the Holy Spirit has to do this, this word called regenerate. Is a, is a big name, regenerate. But it just literally means to bring us alive again. So in the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it says that God formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into the nostril the breath of life. So man was dead. And and the Bible says God breathed into man and man became a living soul. It's like when you have someone when you want to resuscitate someone, you breathe into them and you cause what you have, the life in you, to be imparted into them. That's what God had to do to us. We were dead. And what he had to do was to breathe. And when he breathed into man, man became a living soul. Living nephish. Living soul. And the same principle is what happens with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to breathe into us. And what happens is our spirit is quickened. Our spirit becomes alive. And our spirit is the part that responds to him. Is the part that has a relationship with him. Now it comes alive. Titus chapter 3 verse 5, holy prescriptors here. I just love, is I, I consider it such an honor. When you, when you have the opportunity to, to talk about the Holy Spirit, it's such an honor. It's such an honor, it's such a privilege to talk about the Holy Spirit. You get so excited. You know, you, know, you can't speak about the Holy Spirit and he doesn't turn up. He, he's so, he's so wonderful. It's so wonderful and what a privilege it is this morning to speak about someone so incredible. In Titus chapter 3 verse 5, he says this. Titus 3 verse 5. He saved us, not because of the righteous things in the new NLTI. <laughs> he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done. Because some people think, because I do good things, that will qualify me to be an overcomer. Because I do good things, it qualifies me to be part of the kingdom of God. Uh, no. Hear what the scripture is saying. 
not because of the righteous things that you have done. The reason why he saved us, the reason why he gives us the Holy Spirit is because of his mercy. It ain't, it's got nothing to do, you don't have enough, you don't have enough to qualify for any of this. None of us have, none of us is good enough to qualify for what he gives to us. The reason why Delroy can stand before you today is because of his mercy. It's got nothing to do with me. I take this off, I put my jeans on, people will think I'm a ragamuffin. Same way. Because it's got nothing to do with your works. It's got nothing to do with how you look or what you... It's all to do with His mercy. So some people think it's, it's because of the works that you do. And I have to be a goody-goody. And I have to do this and I have to... It's got nothing to do with you. We are saved not because of what we do. We are saved because of His mercies. Listen to what He's done. He washed away our sins. Lord have mercy. He washed away our sins. Every one of us was guilty of sin. Don't let the color fool you. All of us have sinned and come short. All of us. Because I used to have a problem growing up as a young kid in the church because they used to discipline me hard because I was one of those kind of wayward kind of child and they would discipline me hard and I in those days man you had to try to be perfect only to find out some of the people who used to discipline us when they were my age they weren't perfect they disciplined me hard but when you are kind of asked when you were my age what was you doing and if you didn't get a backhand across your head you will but we all, my point is we all sinned. But thank God that he has washed away my sin. And a change has come over us. A change. That's what he's done for us. The reason why we come to church and lift our hands and, and the reason why we come and worship together is because he's done something to us. He's changed us. We realize we could not change ourselves. We can't be a goody-goody. Some of us are not raised that way. Just, if we didn't have the Holy Spirit, Oville, imagine. If we didn't have, oh, some of us would be crazy, 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 locked up crazy. I mean, seriously. The only reason is that he had mercy on us and he washed away my sins. Some stuff we are too embarrassed to tell people about. Some of us have history. We don't want anyone to know our history. We're too shame. But you know what Jesus done for us? He washed away our sins. He gave us a clean slate. He said to us, you can start all over again. That's called being born again. Imagine you have a sentence and a judgment passed upon you and you're guilty of every single offense. I don't know why I keep hearing driving offense. I don't know who's in here, but I keep hearing that driving offense. But imagine you're guilty of all these offense. 
You're guilty. There's evidence stacked up against you. And there is a sentence pronounced upon you. And somebody comes and says, I will pay the price of these penalties. I will pay the price and let that person go free. I wipe the slate. And when the slate has been wiped, it means as though it has never happened. There is no record of it again. It's gone. That's what Jesus done for us. Some of us came up rough. Some of us came up hard. As I said, some of us have some shames and have some things that we just wish it just stays in the past. The devil likes to remind us. The devil likes to remind us of where we came from. But Jesus washed away our sins. In fact, the scripture says he took our sins and removed it as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he removed our sins. Why? So that we can have a relationship with him. So when the Holy Spirit comes into our life through faith, this experience we call being born again. It's the part of us, it's the spirit part of us that connects with God. Because God created us with a spirit. Because he wants us to have a relationship with him. And he wants to live in us. He does not want you just to use him when you're in trouble. Because some of us, the only time we call upon the Lord is when we're in trouble. And the minute we are out of trouble, we forget him. That's not called a relationship. That's called using. And God wants to have a relationship with us. That he dwells in us. So that part of us that connects us. And that's why there would always be, listen to me brothers and sisters. There would always be a void in your life until you come to Christ. You can try to fill it with drugs, you can fill it with sex, you can fill it, try to fill it with alcohol, you can try to fill it with so much other thing, you would always be empty. Because there's a place that was created for you to have a relationship with Christ. And until you come to Christ, there would always be a void. But for some people, as I said, for some of us, we took so long for the understanding to come. And what we do, we just fill our lives with so much rubbish, with so much different substitutes. We're always trying different things, experimenting with different things. And that's why you're never satisfied. You can go from one thing to another, from another to another. You just try everything and there would always be a void in your life because that void was created so that you can have a relationship with him. And until that happens, there would always be a void. Someone say amen. John 4.24 says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you say, Pastor, so why do I need the Holy Spirit? I really am, if you know who I am, I'm a really good person. I'm a really kind person. I'm very thoughtful. I'm a charitable person. I do the very best that I can. And I commend you for that. That's great. But the Bible says, the Bible describes that there is a an unchangeable distinction 
And there's a difference between a fleshly person and a spiritual person. And a fleshly person is the area of your nature where you can become carnal. Is the area of your nature that can be corrupt. Is an area of your nature that can become ignorant to spiritual things. In other words, whenever, anytime someone tries to tell you something about the good thing of Christ, you get irritable. Because that's your flesh. For some of you, you set your mind and says, I want to come to church and I want to get to church on time. But your flesh was like, the bed is sweet. Just give me five more minutes. Because your flesh never wants to do anything that pleases God. You need to understand. Anything that comes in line to pleasing God, your flesh always opposes it. Some of you know, I need to come to church. I need to give my life to Christ. You know it. You know you need to do that. But your flesh says, next month. Not, not yet. Let me achieve, let me get my qualifications first. Let me get a good job first. Let me, let me get all my ducks in a row first. And then I will do it. That's your flesh. Your flesh would always oppose the things of God. When, it's, when you say, you know what, I, I, feel like, I feel like I need to pray. But before I pray, let me just make a quick call. Because that's your flesh. Your flesh always opposes the things of God. This year, you know, last year, you know, next year I'm going to commit my life to Christ. I'm going to commit my life to Christ. I'm going to start to go to church. I'm going to start to go to church. Next year, come. We're in the new year. We struggle. Because the flesh, hear, hear what the scripture says. Hear what the scripture says. Galatians 5 verse 17. This is so important. And then I'm, I'm literally finished. Galatians 5, 17. So you understand what is going on. Why is, it, why is it so important for us to have the Spirit of God? Why is it so important? Galatians 5, 17 helps us to understand. It says, for the flesh lust against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. So your flesh and your spirit is always in contention with each other. The flesh will be saying, look, I want to do whatever I want to do. I don't want anyone to tell me how to live my life. As long as I'm not hurting anyone, I do whatever I want. I'm a big man. I'm a big woman. Nobody needs to tell me what to do. I don't like no rules. You don't have to put no rules on me. Church is about rules and regulations. I don't want no rules. I don't want no regulations. That's your, that's your flesh. Because your flesh is lawless. Your flesh does not want any laws. That's why when you get the, a parking ticket for breaking the rules, you get vexed. Because you don't like rules. Look in our school system. They don't like rules. Our flesh don't like when there's sets of rules and principles when the government says, do this. Okay, Boris, behave yourself. We better leave that one alone. The results are coming out tomorrow. Leave, leave, leave Boris alone. But there's certain sets of rules that your flesh does not like. Your flesh, 
does not like this. Because what people want us to do, this is what they want the Christians to do. They want us to change the word so that we fit into that lifestyle and what society says. But society is not gonna, does not want to change to fit what this says. Do you hear, hear the difference? Your flesh says, I don't want to do what the, what says in the Bible. This is old school. It's foolishness. I, I pick out the bits I want. The bits I don't want, I put it to one side because I'm not a disciple. I believe there is a God, but I believe I, I can do whatever I want to do. That's your flesh. Flesh does not want to obey anything that's going to bring discipline. Understand that. That's called flesh. You cannot please God in your flesh. That's what the scripture is saying. You can't please God in your flesh. Your flesh is diametrically opposed to the spirit. The spirit of God, when the spirit of God invades a man's life, when the spirit of God comes into a person's life, like Jesus, Jesus had to learn obedience. Do you understand that? Jesus had to learn. He had to train himself how to be obedient. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus had to train himself. The son of the living God had to train himself to become obedient. So that on the cross he could say, when God, not my will, but let thy will be done. When you're of the Spirit, you're always looking to submit yourself to God. A person who receives the Holy Spirit is always looking, how can I please God? A man of the flesh is, how can I please myself? So my question is, which one are you? Are you a man of the flesh or do you want to be a man or woman of the spirit? Because when you are of the spirit, you receive life. You receive the gift of life. So there is a transformation that happens. And it happens to every one of us. When we move away from the things of the flesh and we start to ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. What he does, what the Holy Spirit does, he transforms us. When you ask Jesus Christ today to come into my life, when you ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life, what the Holy Spirit is going to do is transform you. It goes through a place of metamorphosis. It means a change starts to happen. A change happens because you become convicted. So the things you used to do, you don't feel comfortable with it anymore. The people you used to hang with, you don't feel comfortable with it anymore. And the reason why that is happening is because you're going through a place of change. It's a change, a transformation. And one of the, the key places of transformation that takes place, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, by the renewing of your mind. You have to allow your mind to be changed. Brothers and sisters, as I conclude... The greatest challenge we have is not COVID. The greatest challenge we have is the challenge for your mind. That is the biggest challenge we have. That's why lockdown affected us so much. 
because there was a warfare that was happening for our mind. Because whoever gets your mind has your life. And so that battle today is a battle for our minds. And is in a mind where the transformation takes place. That's why under the preaching of the word of God, when the word of God begins to get into your life, it finds ground. And that seed begins to grow. We're going to dedicate a child. And I just want to say to the parents and say to those of you who are responsible for looking after Samaya, it's so important. It's so important about the words that you speak over her life. Because those words have a way of creating seeds. And those seeds go into her life. And that's why so many of us, even though we are older, so many of us struggled so much because some of the words that our parents and some of the words that people spoke over our lives was damaging and we didn't realize how damaging when you when you're saying you know you, to your child how how useless they are how worthless you are and people said so many negative things and we have to fight with those negative words please make sure when you're speaking speak words of life because the words you're speaking is creating things it's seeds which are sown. And so, as I said, many of us, we've had to struggle because they told us that sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt. It's a lie. It's a lie. Because if words didn't hurt, why are we end up in a fight? The name calling. The name calling. I would have, I struggled in the church because I, I didn't realize that as a young child, I had a prophetic call on my life. I didn't know what it was. I couldn't verbalize it. When I was a, just a teenager, 16, 17 years old, and they asked me to lead service. I can hear songs from heaven. I just heard songs in my spirit and I began to sing those songs. I only knew what I know, but you know what they would say? You're extra. Why are you so extra? Why you can't just do what you're told to do? Because in those days, we used the hymnal. And when you open service, Joseph, no, because Joseph's dad was my bishop. You use the hymnal, Pentecostal hymnal. Lord of mercy, you know them things there? Pentecostal hymnal. You open the service with hymnal. Or you had the redemption hymnal, Lord of mercy. Or melody of praise if you were deep. But you had these things. But because I didn't, what I was hearing, even when I was preaching at a young age, when I was preaching, I can hear things from heaven. I can see the service before I've actually come into a service. I can see where people will be sitting before they even turn up. But what happened, I had to struggle. I had to struggle with why are you so extra? And so you know what I tried to do? I tried to fit in because of words. That's why I said you've got to be careful because when the Holy Spirit comes, and that's why I needed, I need the Holy Spirit more than anyone in this room. 
I don't think anyone in this room needs the Holy Spirit more than me. I don't think anybody. No, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I, I need, I, I mean, I need, I need the Holy Spirit. And I've seen what the Holy Spirit has done in my life in terms of transforming me and changing me. And so we're dedicating this child, we're going to be dedicating Samaya in, mom, in, in a moment. And her, her, her name means gift of God. Wow. A gift. A precious gift that's been given. And as I said, there's a battle for the mind. And that's why we need to make sure our children are surrounded with the Holy Spirit. Because there's stuff that's going on in the world. There's some serious stuff that's going on in the world. And unless you have the Holy Spirit, you cannot overcome our children stands no chance. Hear me, hear me, brothers and sisters. Our children stands no chance if they don't have the Holy Ghost. And as parents, our responsibility is to raise our children to know who Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God is. We have to, we can't be a generation that the only thing we give our children is iPad and iPhone. And don't let them know who Jesus is. They can't say a prayer. They can't worship. But give them the computer. Give them the iPad. Give them the laptop. No, come on. We, come on. If we're going to be overcomers, we've got to change. We need to bring our children. See my son there? Bless the Lord. Your belly looking different though, brother. He's, he's getting a daddy belly, man. But they got to, we pass on to them the Holy Spirit. The greatest gift that you can give to your family. The greatest gift. When you go home, have a conversation. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? They may say, well, I know that there is a God. But have you received have you received the Holy Spirit? Because it simply takes a prayer to ask the Holy Spirit to come in. And I promise you, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you will change. You will have peace. You will experience life you've never had before because of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that you won't have problems. It doesn't mean that you don't have challenges. Of course you're going to have challenges. Of course you're going to have problems. But you know what? You're an overcomer. It didn't say you won't have challenges. It just says that you will overcome. You can't overcome if you don't have something pressed against you. We overcome by the word of our testimony, by the blood of the land. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. For the word of God. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that those who are listening by the sound of my voice, I pray, Holy Spirit, as they ask you to come into their lives, your word declares that you will put your spirit within us and cause us to walk in your ways. And so, Father, we pray that you will, that the Holy Spirit will be poured into us, 
that will transform and change us. So Holy Spirit, we say yes to you. We say yes to your will. We say yes to your way. Come Holy Spirit and have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. We pray you're encouraged with the word of God. For more information about Restoration City Church, please visit us at www.restorationcc.org.uk. Okay.